welcome, welcome one, one and welcome, welcome all. all. Bienvenidos todos. Yes. Kill that. <laughs> you go. If you are a guest with us today, we are honored by your presence and yes. would love to meet you. We really can't. Also, if you are newer to Echo, in the last few months, we are having Echo Culture next week at 1015 in the community studio on the third floor. This is where you can find your people, learn about your place, and discover your purpose. Pastor Christy and her team are hoping to not only educate you about Echo, but also honor you onto a new church home. That's right. And save the times. Yes. Easter is in just three weeks. We are preparing for some pretty awesome Sunday services mm -hmm. for not only you, but also for our children. Yeah. Note the time changes. We're having three services. That's 9 a.m., 10.15, which is 15 minutes earlier than normal, 15 minutes earlier than normal, mm -hmm. and 11.30. Thank you for your generosity. Last week, we gave $3,000 to Rochester Teen and Adult Challenge. So cool. What a great local investment. That's right. And thank you for giving of your tithe. That's 10% of your income as worship to God yeah. and his kingdom work. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to give, head to our website, text city amount to 84321. Enjoy the remaining of Echo Sunday service. Bye.
turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. How many believe that this morning?
name of Jesus. Jesus, this is why we're here. We're here for you, Jesus. We're, we're here to worship you. We're, we're here to surrender our lives to you. We're also here to remember how you laid your life down for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. What do you do? me a favor and find your seed. And as we prepare to take communion, you can go ahead and begin to open up your elements. And if you struggle, find someone with nails next to you to do so. When in a different way, as I was thinking about communion, I, I thought about 1 Corinthians 11. And let me just read to you what the apostle writes. For I've received from the Lord, but I also pass, what I received from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This morning as I was preparing, as I was thinking, as I was seeking the Lord, I happened to open up Psalms 8. And in Psalms 8, David writes how God remembered him. Now I want us to just think about that, how, how in this moment where, where Jesus is, is, is reminding us to remember him, I want you to remember this, is that God remembers you. He invites you to the table to partake. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this, is, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this and remember, or whenever you drink it in, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And this is where I want to, maybe shift from our normal communion time. I, I believe that this is a Sunday for self-reflection, self-evaluation. And before we take communion, there's some additional instruction in verse 27. And I believe we need to hold this up as like a mirror to our soul and allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us individually. 27 says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and they drink of the cup. So Jesus, we, we pause we stop and we make space for the Holy Spirit for you to begin to reveal within us maybe for some of us it's unforgiveness maybe others it's envy or bitterness or anger and maybe even this week God we, we said a few things that that we regret and you ask us to even bring that to the table. And at the table, 
we lay those things before you. Will you forgive us? Will you renew us? Would you restore us? Would you make a clean heart within us? Create in me a clean heart, oh Lord. Holy Spirit, would you speak? Would you lead? it. We can't earn it. 
but you give it. And you gave your body to be broken for us because you remembered us. And we say, thank you. In Jesus' name, you may partake, take the bread. And Jesus, we remember the crimson blood that was spilt, the high cost of redemption, the high cost of forgiveness, the high cost of rescue. And we receive that. Today we surrender to you, to your will and to your way. We accept your forgiveness. And we declare you as Lord, as King, as the way, the way in our life. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. You may take the juice. Is anybody glad to be here at Echo Church today? really good to be here today. And uh, if, if uh, you watch the news again this week, uh, we happen to be on it again because of being here in this space. And, and I don't really have much to say beyond this one thing. And this one thing is this, is we are, uh, we're not here to occupy a building. We're here to honor and reflect Jesus. And, uh, and whether we, we get to meet here or somewhere else out there, uh, I hope you're here with me to just worship God, to, to bring glory to, to his name, to uh, God's name, and, and, and let us just not forget that. Uh, and uh, anyway, so uh, with, with that in mind, uh, and, and, and in light of maybe a little bit of, uh, and if, if you're a visitor with us, you just maybe have no idea, but the, being in this space is, is, is a big deal for some people. For us, it's about just renting. And, uh, and again, if we get to stay, we get to stay. Uh, if we don't, we don't. Uh, but regardless, um, uh, in the midst of uh, these types of moments and in life, I think there's one thing that we need to remind ourselves of as often as possible so that we reflect Jesus better. And so if you're not going to write anything else down, I want you to write this one thing down. If you're not going to post anything else I want you to post this one thing down and I want you to write this down. Remember how attractive Jesus is. I want you to remember how attractive Jesus is. I'm not talking about his physical prowess. I'm talking about who Jesus is and and what Jesus taught and what Jesus lived. Jesus was absolutely beautiful. 
And if I could say it in another way, just uh, for those that are maybe more on the negative side of life, don't forget how beautiful Jesus is. And I think this was the message that Jesus put an exclamation mark on with his ministry. And uh, in this emoji series, uh, we've been we're talking about, and you can kind of uh, faintly see them, but you got the heart, the thumbs up, thumbs down, ha ha, exclamation, exclamation mark, and then the question mark. Today, I want to uh, focus in on the exclam- exclamation mark, and I don't want to say that again because I hate saying that word. <laughs> But if there was a statement that Jesus made stronger than anything else as he displayed the beauty of God. And I want to read a little bit about that today. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 7. John chapter uh, 7 and verse 10 through 30 is where we're going to kind of navigate and kind of bounce back and forth. The context of what is happening in John chapter 7 is this, is Jesus and his disciples are hanging out by the Lake of Galilee, which doesn't really mean much to you besides this fact that it's not in Jerusalem. It's further away. He's doing his ministry there. He's healing people. He's teaching people. He's, 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 he's showing people what it means to be in an intimate relationship with God, the God of the universe. And what happens is, uh, as they're hanging out in Galilee, the Feast of Tabernacles comes along, and the time to go, and every devout uh, man would, would, would have a pilgrimage, in essence, every year to go to Jerusalem to participate in this religious activity uh, that really required their, uh, their presence. And what happens is uh, Jesus' disciples feel the need to encourage Jesus to go, and and, and Jesus responds to them and says, no, 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 no. Actually, uh, it's not my time. It's not my time to go to Jerusalem. And in essence, what he was saying and what, what, what he understood, in Jerusalem, there was some tension that was beginning to build because of who Jesus was and what Jesus was teaching. And there was some pressure that was coming down on Jesus. And so he had more or less suggested and directed the disciples, you go, I'm going to stay. I, I don't feel like it's my time to die. I have, I'm just going to do my own thing here. But in verse 10, where we pick up, it says this. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he had a huge case of FOMO. <laughs> and he, and it's, I mean, it doesn't say that, but it does. It, it says he went also not publicly, but in secret. He was like, oh, my, my bro's left. I'm, uh, I got to go. I, I got to go hang out with them. Uh, but what I find absolutely fascinating is Jesus, like the son of God, feels the need to, to put a mask on. He feels the need to put a hood on or whatever he did. I don't know exactly how he went to, uh, to, to Jerusalem to be anonymous, but he did that. And what we find out in this story is the Jerusalem uh, leaders are looking for Jesus. They, they want Jesus to show up on the scene. I mean, it's like, it's like hey, can't, they're kind of excited for maybe the drama uh, that might unfold. I mean, they were, uh, you know, they're anticipating that he would be there. And in verse 12, it says this, among the crowds, there, were a, there was a widespread whisper about him. Some said, now I needed to hear this. There was two different thoughts about him. He is a good man. And the others thought, no, he deceives people. And this is the interesting part. He says, but no one would say anything publicly 
about him for fear of the leaders. Now, uh, I feel like we need to just kind of put ourselves into that story just a little bit. I, I believe that's what we experience on a daily basis. It may not be on the topic of Jesus, but there are taboo type of topics and issues and thought processes or theology or biblical stance uh, stances where, where, man, we have an opinion. We have a preconceived notion or a judgment. And, and for some of us, we lean on this side. And yet there are others of us that, you know, it's over here, but we don't really talk about it. I, we're not really that much different than the people in Jesus's time. In verse 14, it says, not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and began to teach. I, I, I thought about that. I, I thought about it as Jesus as a leader of all leaders. He, he, he sat there and he could only listen for so long. You know what I'm saying? He was like, okay, guys, it's time. Let's try to uh, drop the mic a little bit here. It's, it's time to, to make this all happen. And, and, and in response to Jesus's teaching, it says the Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been? And taught. Again, this is a moment in the text, in this story that is depicting a group of individuals that are sitting back and they are judging, they are reacting, they are responding in the moment. And I need you to pick up on that because that's what I want to talk about today is this idea that we are judgmental people. <laughs> Like that, it's just, it just comes natural. We react and we respond. And, and so in this very moment, when he hears the, the, some of these people said, hey, this man, you know, where did he learn this all from? He, he responded. He began to explain that my authority and uh, what I teach comes from the one who sent me. He, and for, for some people, they really got that for the most part. No one got it. They didn't really, like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, it doesn't really make much sense. And then he goes into, in this context, he, he starts debating them about how, uh, and, and the biggest issue that some of these leaders had is that Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath. And Jesus brought up, really, this uh, debate and said, here's the deal. You think it's okay to circumcise your children on the eighth day that happens to land on the Sabbath, and so what if I want to heal on the Sabbath? And he starts addressing the people that are listening. Uh, I believe uh, he starts addressing their judgmental stances, their thoughts, their opinions. And, in, and this is what I want to get to in verse uh, 24. It says this, Jesus said this, stop judging by mere appearances but instead judge correctly. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. And, and uh, for the most part, we, we read this story, and if you're anything like me, you can get caught into this idea that the, the story is done. The, the story is over, and, and, and we can look at this, this really uh, strong statement from Jesus and say, well, well, thank you, but you didn't really equip us. You didn't really tell us how to judge 
correctly. And, and, and I feel like that's what the Lord wants to reveal to us today, is how do we fight against our, the constant battle of the ease of judging those around us? Let me say it like this. We are predisposed to respond with reactionary or snap judgments. So much so that we have to make it easy on ourselves by abbreviating words like OMG. Like, like that's a snap judgment or WTC or whatever else you want to put at the end of that or IMHO or an exclamation point. We reactionary, reactionarily, uh, we, we, ju- we jump into judgment. And why do we judge? Why do we, why do we respond that way? I believe because we are all trying to preserve self. We try to preserve ourselves. Be- so then in, in, in any given moment or any activity or, or with someone saying something or someone posting, we, we put up the defenses and we, uh, although we don't maybe mean to do this, we try to just preserve ourself. I mean, Apple, and if it wasn't Apple, it was some other person behind it, uh, they, made, they made it easy for us. They, they created uh, the reaction just simply easy with what we call tap backs, the heart, the thumbs up, the thumbs down, the H, the highlighted one, and the question mark. <laughs> They created a tap back for us because we like convenience. We like to quickly respond. We, we, we have it at the tip of our fingers, and uh, they do make the point. And today's emoji and tap back are just simply easy, and they're just forms of us to respond and react. And judgment in any given situation is that. It's just easy. It's our defensive Nature. So how do we begin to judge correctly? I believe Jesus begins to teach us how to judge correctly in John chapter 8, just a few verses after his strong statement. So if you have your Bibles open up to that, it says this, the teacher of the law. So this is the very next day at dawn, Jesus is teaching at the temple. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in, a, uh, brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? I mean, these people that are around Jesus aren't that dumb. I mean, they're actually really smart. Jesus drops the hammer real hard the the day before, and he, in essence, says, he says, judge correctly. So what do they do? They put Jesus in a judgment scenario. And if you could just imagine, Jesus is probably just waking up. It's probably daylight savings for them. I mean, who knows? And, 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 you know, he's just trying to drink his cup of joe, and he's getting ready his notes, and and all of a sudden, he, he wants to you know, get a point across, but instead a person comes at his feet. And it's this opportunity to display judgment. And I want to tell you, we're not much different from these people that are holding stones because we may not be holding the stones, but we are holding our phones. 
And we sure are good at reacting. We're, we're really good at just responding by pressing send or just automatically judging or, or, or jumping to condemnation. It is so easy for us to throw a stone today. But Jesus, what did he do at that moment? He paused. And what we see in this story is in the, most, in the midst of that opportunity to become judge, he paused, he stopped, and he bent down, and he began to write in the sand. Now, theologians have no idea what Jesus wrote in the sand. I mean, a lot of people like to make up a bunch of things, and because people like making up, I'm going to make it up. I think it was an exclamation mark. I think that's what Jesus did. <laughs> In Greek, maybe in Latin. Who knows? Maybe he whipped out a little Hebrew. I don't know what he did. But I know what he did. I don't know what he wrote in the sand, but I know what he was doing. He was trying to put aside a point to see the person that was in front of him. To pause people to encourage people to put the stone down. In today's society, Jesus would literally tell you to put your phone down. See, I believe when there are quick reactions or quick responses or this judgmental uh, notions begin to just uh, jump into our mind or our heart, these quick reactions begin to reveal areas of attention. If we have a quick judgment or we begin to feel defensive, I, I want to suggest to you that, that in moments like Jesus was living in, this, those quick reactions may begin to reveal areas of attention. But what we need to do is follow Jesus' model and begin by just pausing. The story continues, and it says something like this in verse 7. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let anyone who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down. Again, he paused. I mean, he just, dude, he just dropped the mic. And in the moment of that tension, in the moment of, of, of people's desire, uh, they had this desire to react in the moment again, he made this physical posture to pause and he stooped down and he began to write on the ground. And in verse nine, I believe after he created space, as he put some time in between this moment, it says those who heard begin to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And which she responded, no one, sir. And then Jesus declared this, and neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this one thing. Remember that Jesus is beautiful. 
And this story is the picture of his beauty. This is the story of his judgmental reality and reframing it and repositioning it and reordering it to honor God, to put aside the point and to see the person. This is a story that I, be, I believe, man, that Jesus begins to equip us to judge correctly. Before I give you a few things to take away, to write down, to apply to your life, I, I felt the need to confess to you today that judgment is a very difficult thing for me. First of all, I'm blatantly horrible at not judging people. And I, and I know this because when I travel and I'm in the airport, I am people watching. <laughs> uh, that's a lighter note, but on a most serious note, it is difficult for me to not judge, not judge others. And I would say one of the biggest difficulties for me is to even judge myself. Does anybody relate? I want to give you a picture of what it means to be on this stage. And again, I don't, I'm not looking to motivate you to um, come give me affirmation or anything like that. That's not, that's not my goal. I, I want you to see my heart and my own little struggle that I deal with. Every week or about every week I come here, I stand on the stage and I speak in a public forum. And I want to let you know that's very difficult because I say a lot of things and you think a lot of things. (laughs) It's my awkward laugh. (laughs) And although when I'm up here, it's fine and, 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 and I actually enjoy it. And and I, I think that that this part of my calling is, 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 is something that is life giving to me that the second I get home and I lay on the couch, then the judgment begins to tick in. When my mind begins to slow, when I am alone, I start judging the way I delivered the message. Not only do I judge myself, but I also think about all the things you're thinking about or what you could be thinking of what you and how you could be judging me. See, I would prefer to actually sit back and not say a thing ever. That's not what God ordained. And I just want to tell you that I get it. I get what you're doing there. And you might not be doing it intentionally, but I sit in the, in the chairs as well. And trust me, I sit back and I judge and I judge really harshly. but I'm wondering if there's a better way. I wonder if there's a better way here and I wonder if there's a better way there. See, I believe what we do when it comes to judgment is we we like to expose other people's true colors while maintaining our own masks. But what we see in this story is perfection attempts to push God away and weakness always draws God in. And if I'm going to be any kind of leader, I want to display myself as a leader that is weak and is in need of help. And if we're going to be spiritually healthy, 
in this season and in our life, we need to begin to understand what it means to judge correctly. And, and, and let me just say how it is, uh, and you can see it on the screen. To judge correctly, number one, we need to understand this. The, the first point is this, Jesus does not condemn you. I don't know who you are. I don't know how you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you're going to do. But there's someone in here today that Jesus wants to stoop. He wants to kneel down before you. And he wants you to hear this. He does not condemn you. If we're going to learn anything about judgment, man, let us pause and, and let that sink in. Let that not just be taught, but let that be caught within our soul that Jesus isn't coming here to, to condemn you. He actually came here on earth to bring justice. He came here to provide you forgiveness, and he came here to display a new way of judgment in your life. second concept of learning to judge correctly is this is choose to judge oneself and just a picture of reality this is a lifetime work for you to to, to actually work through like you will never be done allowing God to continue the work that he has begun in you and when we're judging ourselves, when we're judging oneself, you need to remember this one scripture, all have fallen short of the glory of God. This isn't just a past, oh Jesus, forgive me, and I have fallen short, but this is a present issue. And it's also, I guarantee you, I know some of you are looking to, to be positive today, but you will always deal with something in the future. May we never stand up on a stage or may we never sit in a seat in an audience and think that we don't need God anymore. Rich Philotus, uh, who's an author of one of these books called actually The Deeply Formed Life, excellent books about spiritual health. If any of you want to go a little deeper, by all means, at the end of service, come take a photo of, of these books. But he, he's quoted in this book, he says, limited reflections usually leads to dangerous reactions. May we be committed to evaluations. May we be committed to looking within and allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing Jesus, allowing God to begin to just reveal what we need to do next, what he needs to do within our souls. I don't know what book, uh, I don't know what author, I, I should have taken better notes. Well, one thing I appreciate in judging self in light of Jesus's words is let us remember that Jesus may live in your heart, but your grandpa lives in your bones. Like it's just this life, this is what it's gonna be. May Jesus arise. And then lastly, if we're going to judge correctly, uh, it's a pretty simple statement. I think it's profound. It's just judge others less. Judge others less. I hate to break it to you, but in this story where the woman is thrown down at his feet, 
That was one of the points he got across. That judgment is not given to you, it's his. If you're gonna judge anything, judge the stone, judge the phone, judge the reaction, judge the point that you're trying to make. But let's just judge people less. It's so easy to judge others, so I can tell you why. And the reason why we judge always is others is because we like to elevate ourselves. You realize that we judge others to elevate ourselves. The lie we believed is this to lower one person down is to elevate ourselves up. Pastor Tate from Fellowship Monrovia says this. I heard this in a podcast yesterday. I felt it was very timely. I felt it was pertinent, very uh, relevant for us to hear. He said, Be careful of people that make you feel better for loving your neighbors less because they're probably godless. Brian Zond in uh, this book, uh, When Everything is on Fire, he says this, the question is this, are we proud sinners or humble sinners? If we're proud sinners, we concoct ways to justify ourselves in our eyes by favorably, favorably comparing ourselves to those we deem worse than us. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is to have healthy spirituality, we have to remember that Jesus is beautiful. And if we can understand and see and experience the beauty of Jesus, then may we remember, may we remember that Jesus not only forgave the other, he forgave you. I hate to break it to you, but we're all broken. We're all bruised. And when it comes to the element of judgment in today's society, in your family, in your friends, in your co-working spaces, may we allow Jesus to rework the model. I want to conclude by reading uh, one last story. I don't typically do this, but this is one of my favorite stories that, that truly um, gives me hope in this world. And just to focus, will you close your eyes? Will you just bow your heads as, as I read this? There once lived a water carrier in India. He used two large pots for his tasks. He suspended a pole across his neck and attached a pot at each end of the pole. One of the pots had a big crack in it, while the other pot was perfect. The perfect pot always delivered a full portion of water from the streams to the master's house, while the crack pot arrived only half full each day. For two years, this water carrier made the same journey. The perfect pot became proud of its accomplishments, and the crack pot was ashamed of its imperfection and miserable that it was unable to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. Finally, one day by the stream, the, the crack pot spoke to his owner about this bitter failure. I am ashamed of myself, and I want to apologize I have only been able to deliver half my water to your house. There is a crack in my side which causes water to leak out. And because of my flaws, you don't get the full value 
from your efforts. Then the water carrier replied, smiling, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. On that trip from the stream, the crackpot looked around. Did you notice there are flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? The master commented. That's because I have always known about your flaw. I've took advantage of it. I planted seeds on your side of the path and every day while we pass these spots, you water them. And now for two years, I've been picking those beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, I would not have this beauty to grace his house. It was the way God works. God uses cracked pots. Jesus, we come to you today as cracked pots. We're broken. Some of us are abused. All of us have mismanaged judgment in one way. I guarantee you that. And we confess. We ask for you to forgive but yet we stand in the belief that even in our failure, you are beautiful. You are made beautiful that much more. And we see your beauty and we accept that beauty. You still, you chose to love us. while we were failing. We received that grace today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, every week we, we pray a prayer and it's an invitation for those that feel far from God, for those that don't have a relationship with God or Jesus to step into a relationship that brings hope that brings rescue, that does this restoration process to those that are broken. And Echo Church, I'm gonna ask that you stand up. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, please join us. But more importantly, accept Jesus into your life today. Let us pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority, amen. And Jesus, today we pause, we take the next few moments and, and, and Holy Spirit, would you end the message today? Would you put the point at the end of it? Would you just heal our hearts, our minds, our lives? In Jesus' name, amen.
seven or eight years ago, my family and I were on a flight and we were flying back to Minnesota and uh, we had a really young baby who turned out didn't really like to fly. She was rare, but so we sat on this plane and my wife held my daughter and she cried. I'm pretty sure like, I'm going to say 90% of the flight and that might be underestimating how much she cried. And there was this woman who sat in front of us. And like clockwork about, clockwork, about every five minutes, she turned around and gave us a dirty look. Seriously, like just constantly. And we're like, we're like newly adopted parents. Like we're trying to do all these things. And what I thought was interesting is in her inconvenience in the moment, that's all she could think about. And then she didn't know us as human beings. She didn't know what we were going through. She didn't know we had moved to a new state and had only been there for a few months and it was super stressful. She didn't know we were coming back for some really important things that was really stressful. Like, we're already there. We don't need your dirty looks. Like, we got it. I want to give you guys with young kids a little bit of advice. I promise you your kids in like 99% of times bother you way more than they bother anybody else around you. Maybe not that one time with this lady, but every other time. And it was interesting. The humanity was lost in that moment with this lady. And so I try to do this thing on airplanes and I fly quite a bit. I just try to smile at the parents who have babies. Like, just give them a smile. Like, hey, it's going to be okay. And no, you're not ecstatic when somebody's sitting next to you with a, you know, a screaming baby for three hours. But I remember what it was like to be on the other side. And I think sometimes we forget what it's like to be on the other side. We forget that Jesus didn't condemn us. So why are we condemning somebody else? And I was thinking about this one thought, which is, what if we, what if we judged less and we loved a little more? And to me, the attractiveness of Jesus would be flowing through us, right? So it's just something that kind of, that kind of stuck with me today. And I'm lucky I get to hear twice, but I just judge less, love more. And the attractiveness of Jesus will flow through us. At Echo Church, one of the things we like to do is we like to celebrate. And one of the things we like to celebrate is we like to celebrate those that said that prayer with us for the very first time. Can we celebrate those people? Come on. Yeah. 